Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Mission City Podcast Thursday edition. I'm so, so excited for this episode. Uh, We've got a very special guest by the name of Kent Lyles. Kent is currently, uh, and you're going to have to help me out with this, but you are the Connections Director of all of Grace Church at this time, pretty much? (laughs) Uh, Yes. It gets kind of confusing over there. Uh, There's multiple hats. But yes, I'm the Connections Director for our campus support uh, at Grace Church. Then I'm also the Connections Director for our Olathe campus. Gotcha. So specific campus and then kind of oversight of all campuses for the department. Yes. Got it. Perfect. Well, uh, again, super happy to have you on. Uh, you and your wife, Kim, have been a major uh, support to Sarah and I, did our premarital counseling, officiated our yeah. wedding, uh, led a small group when we worked it, when I was at Grace. <laughs> like You guys have just been such a huge part of our lives. And you have an amazing story and amazing just to see how God works in your life and everything. So I feel like it's a privilege just to be sitting across the room from you and be able to do this interview. And I know that our audience will benefit from it as well. So thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate it. Wow, that's super encouraging. Um, I would have to say back at you. You guys have been a total blessing uh, to Kim and I as well. And yeah, we've had a little history, man. We I have. Mean, it's been kind of a good ride so far. Yes. It's been exciting. We're, we're keeping it going. That's right. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, uh, so uh, one of the things, and I, we've done a little bit of brief on the, the series so far, what we've been doing, but one of the things that I have not asked, or I didn't ask for our last interview that I would like to get your thoughts on and kind of regret not asking Tim his thoughts, but... Um, just this idea of redemption. So mm-hmm. cover so many different things. Uh, to some people, it means this. To some people, it means that. Some people, it's, they've seen it specifically show up in their lives in this way or that way. Um, and for you, and you kind of touched on this just a few minutes ago before we started hit the before we hit the record button. But um, <laughs> it, it's also an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to like let's just start out with some thoughts on what redemption means to you uh, mm-hmm. in light of. God's redemption in light of redemption in your life, and then maybe in light of it being an ongoing kind of process as well. Sure. Um, you know, I think when you consider redemption scripturally, um, you know, you can, we can dig into that and the doctrine of redemption, all that kind of stuff. I think redemption means to, to buy back. And so um, the Lord purchases us back from sin and uh, from what sin causes in our life and all that. And so I think when you talk about an initial redemption, for those of us who, who know Jesus, at that moment we came to faith, that was the time that our soul was redeemed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that. but that's not all redemption. So that, to me, that's like the starting line. That's, right, that's right. where redemption begins. Uh, and then you have this, what seems to be after, you know, 30 some years of walking with the Lord, a lifelong redemption process. And uh, it seems like there's levels of redemption and things that maybe you didn't even know that needed to be redeemed that keep getting drawn out of you. Um, and so for me, it's just been a process. I think uh, it reminds me of the verse and I'm getting old and forgetting scripture uh, verses now, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say first Thessalonians, maybe one, six, where it talks about that the Lord has begun a good work in you 
and he's going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, till the day Jesus ah. Christ returns. Yeah. And so I, I think there's this, re, this performance of redemption that goes on in our lives, all of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, whether that's in First Thessalonians or not, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> Let's had, just say it is. You convinced me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Right. Uh, so, okay, uh, that's awesome. Um, thinking about that in light of uh, <laughs> what comes to mind is the uh, the line from Shrek. Uh, ogres are like onions. Redemption is like an onion. That's yeah, right. There's, there's layers. There's that initial soul purchasing back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's what I... Of focused on with Tim a lot was the uh, external redemption, but also internal redemption. So uh, on the mm-hmm. outside, we see uh, that you know maybe there's um, addictions or uh, abuse or uh, whatever it may be that is part of our story, yeah. uh, and God wants to redeem that. But there's also an internal thing that's happening as well. What have we internalized about our identity, about mm-hmm. uh, our pride, about our shame, our guilt, whatever, you know, those kind of things. So it's yeah. it's layered. And, uh, and I'm sure we're going to hit on a few of those layers uh, in your story and throughout your life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, let's jump into it. So okay. uh, I think best place to start, let's go back to um, relationship early on parents. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, bio dad, how long was he in the picture? And then let's go from there. Okay. So my mom was, uh, married before I was born, had two sons and got divorced. So I have okay. two older half brothers, okay. uh, met my bio dad, uh, in between another marriage uh, to my, what would become my stepdad. Um, and I have vague memories of bio dad. He kind of hung around there until I was four, maybe five, five years old, kind of in and out. Um, I have some just spotty memories and I have some pictures. I look identically like this guy. Um, and so, but didn't really see him growing up or know him at all. Okay. Um, and then my mom got remarried probably when I was five or six. Uh, and so my stepdad who wound up adopting me, I think when I was 11 or 12, mm-hmm. um, was really my dad growing up. And okay. so, yeah, my stepdad uh, was, I took his name and that's been my dad yeah. growing up. And what was that relationship like? Not good. <laughs> it was not a good relationship. I can't, you know, maybe early on it was good when I was really young and, and, and things like that. But honestly, I can't recall any really good seasons of life at home with my dad. You know, it's just, uh, it was... I lived in fear constantly. Um, he was he was a, an alcoholic, um, and he was diabetic, which is a terrible combination, which wound up being his demise later on. But um, he uh, was abusive, certainly verbally abusive, certainly emotionally abu- abusive, uh, manipulative, um, and then physically abusive as well. But you know, I think at the time it was a different age. Mm. Uh, so, you know, back then I would have probably considered it just normal physical abuse. Yes. This is what all, all kids get this, you know? Right. Uh, but you know, looking back on it now, I can say, wow, it was probably on <laughs> the edge of normal for sure, if not beyond it. Um, so yeah, it was just always a tense relationship and, and the marriage, you know, when my mom married him, he already had uh, three kids of his own. And he was divorced. So all of a sudden now I've got this family where I've got two half brothers that live with their dad. So I never see those guys mm-hmm. except rarely. And then I've got three step siblings who come over every other weekend. Um, 
that I'm getting to try to know, you know, so essentially I'm an only child with my mom and my stepdad. Yeah. And so we clearly a pattern of things that would lead to issues with relationships, building relationships, sustaining relationships, trust, uh, all of that is already, you're set up to have some challenges on down the road. Um, and probably something that God is in his way, continuing to redeem in your life now. But, um, so what, what about like, since this is a church podcast, was there any yeah. faith in, in the household at this time? Was that ever a part of like in that season of life? <laughs> yeah. So oddly <laughs> there, there was, and it, um, I guess my dad, he, he was a friend with someone in high school who later became a pastor. We wound up going to his church. Um, and my parents, I, I can remember them when I'm, and this was early on in the relationship. So I'm five or six years old. And I remember them going down an aisle at this church to uh, receive Christ. You know, they had an altar call, you know, like they they would do. And and I went down with them. I actually knelt down right next to them. I, that's a vivid memory for me, one of the few that I have at that age. And I don't know what I was doing down there. <laughs> I, but, you know, hindsight and all, they were asking the Lord to be their Savior. Um, I was just crying because they were crying. Uh, but it was told to me at that time that, hey, I, I received Christ. You know, so that was an assumed thing, you Mm -hmm. know, at the time. Uh, So we had kind of a a history of going to church. That church kind of fell apart because the pastor fell apart. We wound up, you know, going to some other churches over the years, kind of spotty. But what it turned into was more of, (laughs) more of, it it built in me an understanding that church is fake. Hmm. Because none of that was real at home, you know. So we'd go to church we'd hear these messages uh, and then we'd come home and life was nothing like what church life was. And it certainly wasn't like any of the, like I would go over to friend's house from church, you know, and hang out with their house. And it was radically different than my house, you know? And I Uh, thought, Oh, so it actually happens here, but it's not, you know, uh, but so I got these little glimpses of what it might be, but um, it certainly went at our house. You know, we would drive to, we drive to church and my parents would be, fighting and yelling the whole way. My dad's, you know, giving us backhands in the back seat on the way to church. They're smoke, they're chain smoking on the way to church. Then they just cram in a bunch of lifesavers, lifesaver mints, and we all go in and put on our smiley face, you know, and that's kind of what it was. And so it just taught me that church is a joke. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's the experience up into, let's say, I think the last age you might have mentioned was like 11, 12. Mm-hmm. You're adopted mm-hmm. uh, by your stepdad. And so even though the relationship's not great, apparently, was do you feel like the adoption was out of obligation? Or was that like an actual, like, I want this to be my son kind of way? It It's hard to say. My memory of it's a little fuzzy, but... Um, it seemed like it was out of good intent. Like, okay. you know, this is the right thing. And, sure. um, I think trying to take care of me and all that, you know, and I, and again, I'm, I'm painting this relationship out to be very one-sided and very, and putting him in a very bad light. Um, and, and there was a lot of bad there. Um, but there was some good too. Sure. And, and he had his moments. Um, but those moments, unfortunately, were always shadowed by just a constant fear and, you know, the kind of the craziness that went on there and, and the alcoholism did not help sure. <laughs> in any way. Uh, so yeah, uh, got adopted, went, went to the, went to court and, 
got stood before a judge, had my name officially changed, all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of a cool experience, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe even internally, although I, I, I probably couldn't have expressed this externally, but there was probably a, uh, it was probably soul healing for me. Like, oh, somebody wants me. Yeah. You know? um, somebody's not abandoning me, even though <laughs> it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a bad scenario, but yet at, there was some level of, okay, you know, somebody's accepting me. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which later on in life, you probably was a, a, a beacon uh, to the Lord was, you know, like, Absolutely. look, there is an actual, like, true love, acceptance, you know, something going on here. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, get adopted. And then what's life like post adoption in the home? And how is, I guess I don't want to jump ahead here, but how yeah. long until you're no longer living in that house anymore? Wow, man. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, I get adopted 11 or 12, um, all the while. So I'm a, I'm a kid. I'm trying to find acceptance with my dad. I really want to be loved by him. I really want to do the right thing. Yeah. I just feel like I'm always a disappointment. Uh, I'm always, you know, trying to earn love. I'm never doing what's right. I'm, you know, um, and you know, so that's kind of what's going on stuff I can't articulate, but that's mm -hmm. the stuff I'm, that's happening inside of me. And underneath that is this anger that's, you know, beginning a boiling process, uh, over the course of years. And finally, when I get to an age, you know, 13, 14 years old, where I can start to articulate how I feel, um, and, and not in a good way, because I have no <laughs> emotional intelligence whatsoever. I'm emotionally mature, but once those feelings start to find their way into my mouth <laughs> that I can voice them uh, and felt bold enough to do so. Like, you know, sure. I'm getting my teen years, I'm growing. Uh, so there's a confidence uh, and, and maybe even a rebellion that's starting to build in me. Um, so that starts to surface and come out and that begins to escalate in the home. So now we're, it's, it's, it went from just kind of a one-sided affair to, you know, an escalation. We're fighting all the time and it's fireworks. So, not good, not healthy. Yeah. So continues to continue. Mm. We continue to spiral. Continue like, and and all of this mm. again is instilling, you know, uh, our, our our parents continue to go to church this whole time. No, we've kind of bailed out on that pretty okay. much completely at that point. Okay. Um. But, uh. But the irony is, I started to drink at a very early age. Uh. With and I started running around with friends that were doing the same thing, and so that contributed to additional fireworks at home and, and made things even worse. So there came a point when I was four, almost to turn 15, mm -hmm. um, that it just, we reached, we reached the end. Like, and, um, I said something or did something that finally crossed the line. Um, and I was no angel here. So I, I want to make sure that everyone knows oh, sure, yeah. I'm doing some terrible things, saying terrible things, um, provoking all of that. And finally I came home one day and my, all my stuff, my clothes and whatever I own that could be fit into a, into trash bags mm -hmm. were set on the porch for me. Um, which was the indicator that I was no longer welcome, uh, in the home. So, uh, got it. So yeah. 15 and that, uh, let's, let's do some rewinding here. I don't want to, I don't want to do an age thing for you here, but sure. like different time period. Mm -hmm. Uh, so 
license? Were you? Did you have a car? Any way to get around? No, none of that at that time. So what happened was, and I just gotten a job, my very first job. I, I was working at a restaurant. I was working as a busboy, dishwasher. Um, so all this kind of happened all at the same time. Um, starting my sophomore year in high school, and when that happened. I, you know, I kind of went to a friend's house that night and then my mom wound up moving out with me. Uh, we got an apartment. Um, but at, at that time I was out of control, you okay. know, and I finally kind of went over the, went round the bend. As say, say. So, but what does out of control mean? Meaning my mom couldn't tell me anything, you know, okay. there was no, she couldn't control me. She couldn't, you know, tell me there was no saying, Hey, I need to be home at such and such time. Or, I mean, I was done with all that. Like I finally said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And so when she moved out with me, she, she just couldn't handle me, you know, um, this 15 year old rebellious, crazy. So you're kid. coming and going as you please. Still drinking it at that point. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. saying whatever you want, doing yeah. whatever you want. It's just like, that's a place for you to crash when you feel it's appropriate. Exactly. Okay. And I'm sure I was being not kind to her in any way. Sure. So she wound up going back to my dad. Okay. Um, and, and I'm sure that was a hard decision for her. But was, and I'm sure she was struggling trying to get by. Like, how, you know, that's, <laughs> it threw her for a loop as well. So she wound up going back to my dad. I stayed in the apartment. So here I am, if you can imagine. I'm a 15-year-old kid with a full-time job, a 40-hour-a-week job as a dishwasher. Back then, I think I was making like three thirty-five an hour. It was not the thirties or forties; <laughs> it was actually the eighties. Uh, but and I'm going to school like I'm a actual high school student, and yeah. I'm taking the bus or walking whenever I had to, or I'm on the uh, football team. I'm on the swimming and diving team. I mean, I'm living this whole weird life of you know what no other kid was living. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. At least did you ever I'm, sleep? When when it, did that happen? It was rare. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, that first year, I wound up uh, contracting mono. Oh, wow. Uh, and I didn't know it. And I wound up just staying home for two weeks in bed. And finally, my mom, they, the school calls my mom. My mom shows up, and, and uh, when she walks into the apartment, she sees that my throat is literally swollen out. It's like a gorder on my, <laughs> my throat. And uh, she's like, yeah, something's wrong. So, you know, took me to the hospital and realized I had mono. But... I, I just wasn't caring for myself or yeah. any of that, you know, so. Wow. So, and then are the full-time job, are you paying for the apartment then? Yes. Okay. Until I couldn't. Got it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you can imagine I'm not making much money and I'm just trying to survive. Luckily, I worked at a restaurant, so food was easier to come by. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, there reached a point. I, I was able to do that for about six months um, until finally I couldn't pay for it anymore, you know, and... Uh, that's when I got evicted from okay. the apartment and took all of my stuff in trash bags again, put it in the uh, trunk of my 1974 Cutlass Supreme that was had more rust in it than metal. Um, and that became my roving apartment, you know, and I would live in there or live in uh, friends' basements or homes for a stint of time. And, and I kind of did that for a couple of years. Wow. So yeah. during this, that whole time, I mean... You're alone a lot. Yeah. What's going through your mind? Like, do you want to go home? Is there any interest in that? Is it like, no. what's, what's life? What's the point of life? Or what, what are you trying to get out of it? <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. At that point, there's a, there's a callousness building up in me or there, or there was built up in me over time. 
Um, I'm just really hard, you know, hearted. I'm hard about life. I'm, um, I'm, uh, it's basic survival mode, you know, and, you know, I was just partying all the time, numbing myself. Um, and so you can imagine I'm, I've got no rule. I've got no oversight. I'm 15, 16, 17 years old, and I'm just doing whatever it is that I want to do <laughs> within my budget. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, just existing, you know? And, and so, yeah, numbing things was kind of high on the, high sure. on the priority list. So Yeah, as long as you can live outside of reality and whatever vice you can find to do so. Yeah. 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 And I'm trying to normalize things as much as I can. Um, which is strange to say, but uh, just trying to say, hey, well, this is life. This is what happens, you know, and trying to just march forward. Um, well, to yeah. some degree, that had been normal for you, you know, in the house you grew up mm-hmm. in, drinking to numb the pain was, you know, that was the role model. Yeah. That, that's what he that, did. That's true. Right. <laughs> so there's that's a little right. bit of that. It's like, that's this is what, you know, nature has taught you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so so that takes you, you, you graduate high school at that point? Yeah, kind I went just surfing. What happened? Something really cool when I was um, the summer before my senior year. Um, I'm sleeping in my car. Uh-huh. I've been doing that for a few weeks, and um, who my sister-in-law now mm-hmm. wasn't then, but somebody it was my coworker at that point found out I was sleeping in my car. She says, "Man, don't don't sleep in your car. Just come stay at our house. You know, my parents are gone for the weekend. They're at the lake. You can stay at our house, and and then we'll figure out when they get back. We'll figure out something." Yep. Okay, cool. I go stay at their house for the weekend. Um, they're literally gone. I mean, people are coming in and out of that house all the time. It was just a party happening at that house until Monday morning. And perfect. You know, yeah, that sounds like the perfect environment yes, for you yes, at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least it was a warm bed and uh, you know a warm house. So uh, Monday morning rolls around. Um, my sister-in-law now comes down and says. Hey, I've got to go to work, but you know, my mom's upstairs, my sister's upstairs, just going up and, and, and have breakfast and you're exactly. part of the family now and yes. everything's fine. <laughs> and I don't even know these people. Right. I go upstairs and I'm sitting across the the breakfast nook or whatever you want to call it, the counter there, uh, from this girl who I know from high school, but I don't know. Sure. You know, and uh, she's popular, she's a cheerleader, she's all this, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it's just surreal. I've got this. And woman. you're sleeping in your car. Yeah, I'm, I, I've, and I've got this woman cooking me waffles, and in the morning we're having waffles. <laughs> it all comes back. To yeah, that. It's, it all goes back to Shrek. Um, so, but what happened to make a long story longer? That um, that family allowed me to stay in their home uh, my entire senior year of high school. So they wow. kind of adopted me into the, yeah. their their family for for my senior year. So that was super helpful. Yeah, huge. And is there any faith? anything going on in that household at that time or just like the good Samaritan? No, just good people. I, you know, initially what happened was the deal was, okay, we'll give you 30 days. You can stay here and then find a place of your own and then I'll be good. Well, I found a place of my own and, uh, she, her, her, her mom, the mom was like, Hey, um, hon, hon, just stay here with it. You just, it's your senior year. You need a place to stay, you know, and she's just very compassionate, you know, wow. and, and really took care of me. So, awesome. uh, that was huge, major blessing. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, you talk about coming down the aisle with your parents and not knowing, but God's looking out for you. That's yeah, right. There's provision. Yeah. yeah. As I look back, no doubt, I see God's hand all over, yeah. even when I didn't know him. I yeah. mean, similar, I don't want to like make it true dramatic, but semi miraculous that you, 
survived during that entire time. Like you're talking about like a 16, 17, 18 year old kid who's got nothing that he knows on a daily basis from sleeping in the back seat and the extra food that gets made at his job to survive on. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's funny. I, I wouldn't have thought about it much then. So there were several times where I woke up and didn't know how I got to where I, where I was. Um, several times I woke up in my car, parked someplace that I didn't realize. So I was driving, uh, intoxicated all the time. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple times, honestly, where I thought about taking my own life, you know, where there were moments, uh, where I'm driving toward an embankment or a bridge, you know, I'm thinking I could just hit that pillar. If I picked up speed about a hundred miles an hour, I think I could just end this thing and, um, and got close, you know, but, but didn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but mm-hmm. this job that you've had kind of, as I know your story a little bit is mm-hmm. a little bit of like a, it's a linchpin or just like that's, it's really the crux of kind of how things begin to come to get back together for you. Yeah. Um, so even though, you know, working 40 hours a week as a 15, 16 year old trying to pay for next month's rent, uh, living on your own is not an ideal situation for most teenagers. Uh, getting that job does lead to ultimately some good things. So one, Mm. you meet this girl who offers you to stay at her house. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then again, stop me if there's, you know, some gap in between here that we need Mm. to talk about, but then leads to someone evangelizing to you. Yeah. So when I got the job, I, really got a family, you know, like this new work family that I developed uh, close relationships with. And uh, one guy in particular, um, he just became my best friend. He was three years older than me. He, was, he turned out to be kind of a father figure for me, um, helped me to kind of shape some things up, be responsible in a weird way. Um, even though we were all partying together and that kind of thing, he he had it together, you know, and he was one of those guys, he was, he was going to college. He wanted to make sure I go to college. He's showing me how to save money and work with my, I mean, so he really became kind of a father figure for me and a, and, and a best friend at the same time. Then I, my boss who owned the restaurant did the same thing. He took me in for a little while um, and let me stay, you know, so he was one of those places I stopped. I landed for a little while uh, until I couldn't anymore. Yeah. Uh, I usually wore out my welcome is what would happen. <laughs> so I just stick around at a place until they like couldn't afford to feed me anymore or just got tired of me or whatever. Um, but yeah, he, he just took care of me and really, he would give me money all the time and, uh, for no reason at all, just, he would stick $50 in my pocket, you know, and, and he did that on numerous occasions. Uh, so I wound up finding this family in my workplace and yeah. what happened a few years into that is my, my buddy, my best friend, he wound up dating a girl who was attending church. She wasn't attending church at the time when they started dating, but after they started dating, she's like, Oh, you know what? I think I need to start going back to church. You'll bait and switch. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and so he's like, well, you know, okay, I'll, I'll go to church, you know? Uh, so, uh, which I thought was a pro move. Like at the time, like, yeah, excellent. Good job, man. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do. Just go to church. Um, well, he winds up coming to Christ. He gets saved, uh, going to church with her and he doesn't, and he never tells me. So he comes to Christ, he starts growing in his faith, he starts going to Bible studies, he starts telling other people about the Lord around me, but not directly to me at first. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden other people at, at the restaurant start coming to Christ. 
And next thing I know, I'm hearing people talk about Jesus, whereas that conversation never came up, right? So all of a sudden I'm hearing these Bible conversations and church conversations, and I'm like, what? What's going on? You know? And so finally I get out of him. Yeah, I've been going. It's like his confession to me. Yeah, I've been going to church for like the last six months, and you know, I, I knew it was gonna be weird for you. Uh, and I'm like, well, okay, you know, and it was weird for me. Sure. Um, and it became this thing like, oh man, what's going on? I, I don't want to, I'm sorry for interrupting, no, but no. I, uh, I, ha- I can't help but think, but wonder if there's a part of you in that moment that's like, ugh, like I've been down this road. I, I see what this is. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, knowing this Jesus guy or going to church, like sure thing, man. Like as soon as this relationship runs its course, like exactly. you're going to be right back here with me yep. partying and drinking and, you know, having a good time. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. Um, but I didn't understand the tidal wave that was the spiritual tidal wave that was coming. Um, and in fact, so I used to just make fun of these people, you know, and at, at this time, by the way, um, I'm probably 18 years old when this starts to happen. And, um, just out of, just graduated out of high school, um, left that home that I'd been staying in. Well, it uh, turns out that home that I was staying in, my future wife lived there. That girl I was sitting across the counter for having breakfast with, eating waffles, uh, that cheerleader that was popular, uh, she's not my wife. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> let me just say, uh, in the home that when we lived there, we did not get along. We didn't really care. We, it's not, we didn't hate each other. We just didn't get along with each other. We weren't, you know, we just didn't click. And so yeah. um, we kind of just stayed away from each other as much as possible. And that was that. Uh, but I wound up meeting her again about a year later and started dating. And next thing you know, we're, we're in a full fledged relationship. And so that's when my friend comes to Christ. Um, then Kim and I, my wife, we start making fun of him. <laughs> like, okay, Jesus freaks, Bible beater, you know, whatever. And, right. um, but all the while my life continues to spiral down, hmm. you know, I'm just, uh, compounding one problem onto the next, onto the next. And so there was a part of me that was really like, whatever, you guys are messed up. But there was also a part of me that was like, wow, there's something happening here. And I could sense love, like genuine love happening between, you know, my coworkers and, uh, which was pretty rare at the time in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had love, but it was a different, this was different, you yeah. know, it was just weird and, and I couldn't explain it. I was trying to explain it, trying to run from it, trying to mock it, but uh, but yeah, something weird was going on, and all of a sudden, the people I'm partying with every night or whatever, uh, they're not partying anymore, and you know, the big night that we go out, maybe a Wednesday night, they're going to a Bible study at my friend's house. My friend's hosting a Bible study, <laughs> and, and it just got crazy, you know. And so, um, but eventually, um, the combination of of him preaching to me. And sharing Jesus with me, or I, I call it preaching the hell out of me. Uh, he, yeah, it was a little harsh there at first, uh, uh-huh. him telling me I was going to hell all the time, um, which I think I probably was, but you know, it didn't help him telling me that, that the way he was sharing sure. it with me. Uh, but the combination of him sharing Jesus and my life descending into an abyss of, of mess uh, brought me to a place where I was ready to receive the Lord, you know, and all God is just working behind the scenes and all this. Sure. And there came a day when I came into the office and I'd kind of reached the end and I started talking to my friend and he 
started talking to me in a much different tone. And mm. he just started telling me, you know, I started pouring out about how much my life was a disaster. And then he just started to share the love of Jesus with me. And it was so different than what I'd heard up to that point. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just, uh, I get emotional thinking about it, but he just, he just told me, God, he just said, Jesus loves you. All this mess that's in your life. He, he can, he can buy that back. He can redeem you from that. Um, and, and I just melted, you know, I just, in that moment surrendered and I didn't say a prayer. There was no, you know, Hey, say this prayer, do this thing. I just realized I need Jesus. And in my heart, I gave myself to the Lord, you know? Um, and that was the beginning. That was the beginning of my redemption story. But it actually started long before that. But that's when it, that's when yeah. it, the fire, the gun went off right there. And, and that's when I started the race. So, yeah, I think it usually does. Mm-hmm. Like the seeds are planted, right? And, mm-hmm. and then they, they grow into something redemption. And we don't, uh, honestly, like you, you talk about, which is interesting. I, I hadn't thought about this. I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up. The, the idea of redeeming or redemption being this purchasing back, like a, think about like redeeming a gift card or a reward yeah. or something like that, you know, whatever. And it's like, there's a price to that, right? So there's mm-hmm. always a, an amount that has to be, uh, whether a gift card is purchased originally and then given to you and you redeem it for that same price or uh, whatever reward you would redeem has a price to it. Therefore, it's an exchange yeah. that has a cost. Mm-hmm. And what it cost Jesus ultimately was his life here on earth and uh, you know a, a brutal kind of beating and death by the most painful human torture device that we've come up with so far pretty yeah. much um and and so for you in that moment it's it's that that was chosen for me seeing this is how i was going to choose my to live my life even though you know like that mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to add up uh yeah. what, what's the point of paying that cost um for for me right um but that's just the beginning as you mentioned yeah. so redemption begins and where do you take that? So what happens then that Kent Lyle says, uh, okay, this is, I've, I accept this to be true for me. What does that mean for my life moving forward? Radical change. Uh, so that it, this wasn't for me one of these progressive things where, oh, well, let me dip my toe in and see how this, um, I was all in. You know, from the moment I said yes to Jesus, and this was in the office of the restaurant I was working at, um, I said yes to Jesus there. I stepped out of that office. I had a line, but this is funny, had a line of coworkers waiting to hug me. Uh, <laughs> wow. Because they were so... a movie scene going on here. Yeah, they were just so excited that I came to the Lord and they'd been praying for me for a long time. And I didn't know that, you know, and I was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, these people just in a line to hug me. Uh, it just was this, the oddest, surrealist, greatest thing ever, you know? And so, but that... I changed like I came out of that office a different person and uh, I went in there an alcoholic and my life just literally going down the tubes and I came out of there like with no with a, a whole different mindset like I'm changing and I didn't want to drink after that and I needed I needed to drink to get to sleep that's how bad it was and and I didn't want another drink after that mm. um, and I started going to church like immediately that Monday it was, I, I started going to a Bible study and, and, and here, and at the time I'm engaged 
So this girl that became my girlfriend yeah. became my fiance. Your own bait and switch happened. That's here. right. So it's a, a month earlier, uh, I had gotten engaged. Then I come to Christ and then I'm calling her and saying, oh, hey, um, you'll never guess what happened. Surprise. <laughs> and yeah, so she really struggled with that because we, you know, we had been making fun of these guys. We're doing all this stuff. And, and then I start going to a Baptist church. Uh, which the only idea she has of Baptist is some relatives that she had were, that were not kind people. And uh, so anyway, we had a hard transition there. It came, to, it came to a place where I'm like, okay, this is how radical of a shift my life was taking. I said, look, it seems like you're going one direction and I'm going another direction and maybe this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we were seriously considering just cutting off the engagement. Um, but a couple months later, um, she actually came to the Lord. And we started this journey in faith together and we got married, uh, that same year and, you know, life took off for us, but, um, I never looked back, man. I mean, I was like fully in like, what can I do? I started going to church all the time. I mean, that's where I lived. I was just like, okay, what Bible study, what service can I do? Can, what softball league I'm in? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Anything that had God involved in it. I wanted to be a part of it. And I was digging into the Bible. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, so what'd that mean for me? It meant a total life transformation in every way possible. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't even intend for this to be the case, but I've kind of been pointing back to the brokenness of relationships early on and then finding a different kind of relationship with people in the restaurant that you worked at. Yeah. And then now, uh, come full circle in a sense of, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody that I've met who is shaping Christian relationships as much as you, as much as I see you do it. Like whether it be through the groups that you lead, whether it be through you do premarital counseling, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be the fact that you're, you know, connecting connections, you're connecting people right. to groups, to yeah. discipleship, to uh, the church in some way. Like um, there was a journey in there uh, of you uh, doing a church plant for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, to see, I, I think it's, I think, from a redemption standpoint, you know, you have these external, like, yeah, it's, it's a praise God for the, the alcohol, uh, mm-hmm. changes for the, um, you know, whatever else was going on, uh, the, the external things that were happening, but internally yeah. to take someone who has experienced almost nothing but broken, damaged, uh, relationships and the negative effects of getting close to someone or trying to gain their approval or stuff Ooh, like that. Yeah. Uh, for God to redeem that in you and for you to understand, I, I think miraculously to accept so quickly that there was a, an, an unfailing true love that existed for you. Yeah. And then to be able to share that with others, like that's not human nature. Uh, you know, so like I, I, yeah. I am fascinated by psychology and, and digging into mental health and all of those things. That doesn't happen for people. You don't just, uh, you know, in a therapy session or whatever, just all of a sudden switch the, what am I trying to say here? Uh, Flip the switch. switch. That's Yes, thank you. Thank you. Flip the switch onto, yes, I've had nothing but bad examples of relationships to Mm. now I'm going to have the deepest connection and like most sanctifying, loving relationship that I'm ever going to have immediately. It just doesn't happen for people. So to me... Although I wasn't trying to make this 
you know, the theme of your story. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the part that stands out to me uh, from, especially from a redemption standpoint. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic point. I, I think maybe the thing that really, and to, to, to your point, what really made a difference for me at the moment that I came to the Lord was this, it was the sense of acceptance, mm. you know, like, like, um, I'm finally being loved. And it was an experience that I'd not, I had experienced love in certain levels and all that, but sure. this was an unconditional love. This was a love that was in spite of mm -hmm. all the stuff I'm sharing with my friend and he's coming back at me with love yeah. and grace. And, and when I finally just broke down and started weeping and like, I just, I, okay, what do I need to do? I'm just, I'm done. I'm, I give up. He, this was a great thing that God did for me. He, this, this guy, my friend, he, at the time he's six, five, he's going about two forties, a huge dude in the gym all the time. Um, and he just hugged me. And you know, when you get a hug from that guy, yeah. I'm not You're six, not five out. and two forty, right. <laughs> um, I'm quite small, you know, not, I'm, I'm not a small guy, but I'm a lot smaller than that. And he just swallowed me up in a hug. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I just, it was a gift. Like God gave me this gift of, of here, this is my love you know and i just sensed like i i lost the moment i and i found myself in the arms of jesus mm -hmm. like that's that was my experience and for the first time i was experiencing love like i'd never known and that changed it you know yeah. that changed the game for me so um the radical transformation was from that moment um and had it just been a an intellectual thing had it been a transfer of knowledge or just oh yeah that's what the bible says and you should do you know i don't know if i would have had that radical of a shift in my life but um yeah i think that's what did it yeah and i never looked back from that you know so um and you talk about relationships and the kind of relationships i'd experienced up to that point and believe me, I was on the delivering end of some terribleness uh, to many people. Sure. Um, but that sent me on a, a redemption tour of my own, right? So um, I, not only was I trying to get the the big stuff, the big sins and all that stuff right in my life and try right. to make corrections. And honestly, it wasn't that hard because um, I was just so enamored with this new life in Christ. I'm just like, yeah, what? I got to quit that? Sure. <laughs> What's the Bible say? I, no problem. You know, it was just, that part was kind of easy. Um but the relationship side of going back and saying, man, I'm so sorry. Um, I was a total jerk to you. I really hurt you. I was a terrible person to, you know, and going back to these friends and these relationships that were really broken and then ultimately back to my dad. Hmm. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a good ending to my, my story with my dad. And I, you know, <laughs> for a while there, I was calling him on a kind of a random basis whenever I'd had too much to drink, threatening him. Uh, like next time I see you, this is what's going to happen, that kind of stuff. And it was wow. just terrible, awful stuff. And I realized that, you know, about six months into my walk with the Lord, God, you know, how can I accept this forgiveness from you, Jesus, and not forgive my own dad? Mm. You know, um, so I show up at his door. <laughs> <laughs> and remember the last time, the last thing he hears from me is it's on. Like when I see you, it's on. Um, and so sure enough, he opens the door at, at his house and, and his eyes get real wide. And I just, I immediately, you know, said, Hey dad, look, I'm not here to start anything. I, I want you to know that, that, um, I've given my life to Christ. 
he's changed me and I'm a different person now. And I want you to know that I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for everything I've done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's hard to do podcasts and be emotional at the same time. Yeah. You no, you're great. You don't you're get great. a breath. Take a moment. If you um, but, and I could see him start to soften, you know, mm -hmm. as I was talking to him and I just said, I, I just want you to, I, I hope you can forgive me. Um, I'm, I, I forgive you. Not, not, you know, um, we've had some bad stuff between us and I, I, I forgive you. I hope you can forgive me. And I just, I want to start new. Yeah. Um, and that began an entirely new relationship with my dad. Mm. So, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're having Bible studies. I'm teaching him the Bible. I'm going over to his house and we're getting in the word together, you know, at some point. Um, I, my wife and I start having kids. He's this grandpa to my, my boys. Um, and I got to see this and, and, you know, he came to the Lord, right? So, mm -hmm. um, I'm teaching the Bible. He's, he's following Jesus. He's loving my kids in a way that I've never seen him love kids before, you know? And so wow. that was a redeeming situation, uh, for sure. And, Absolutely. And, and he wound up dying as a young man. He was 54 years old. And again, you can't be alcoholic and diabetic, uh, without things starting to shut down. On sure. You. So I actually got to plan his funeral, preach his funeral. Um, so it turns out to be a really great story in the end, but, um, just cause God's faithful and good and, you know, yeah. So. And, and redemptive and redemptive. <laughs> yes. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, thank you so much. I would, I mean, I'd, I'd go on with you all day, but I feel like we're, this is probably a good point to start wrapping it up. Is there anything sure. else that just kind of comes to mind or that you want to share? Um, anything really? Yeah. I think the encouraging part for me is when we, when we started this, we started talking about the process of redemption that just continues on. Right. And so, yes, he does these things on the outward, redeems relationships and restores things and all that. But he's constantly finding those pieces of me that are, are wounded mm -hmm. um, or broken uh, that I've buried or have not paid attention to or, or whatever, or haven't had the courage to open that door, that closet in my heart that's had the police tape over it, do not enter, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, when he, he, I finally am able to see that or he turns that rock over or whatever, and then he redeems that part of me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that part maybe that I've wounded somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, or that I've been wounded or it's just sin or a lie that I bought into from the enemy who knows when and I've been living with that lie for a long time and finally it gets exposed and and so that happens on the regular you know and and none of us ever arrive and God's always helping us by digging that stuff out and and I think that's the redemption process and that's that's the beautiful thing about the Lord you know and he keeps taking us to next levels of yeah. redemption and relationship with him yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's a, yeah. like you said, it's a process, and it's something that you know we're we're a continuous redemption. I don't want to, I don't like the word project. It sounds like <laughs> just like right. we're like half done or whatever. But yeah. like, there's a continuous redemption going on that God's again. And and um, as you were saying that, it kind of brought to mind for me too. Like, part of the cost sometimes can be on our end. Uh, so I'm sure it yeah. wasn't easy going back to some of those people that. Uh, you had wronged, you had hurt to say, look, I, I screwed up. I mean, that's never a fun conversation for no. anybody to have. No. Uh, but it, but sometimes it's required of us uh, in order to find that redemption and the things that God wants to do in those, in those relationships, in those situations. Yeah. Um, and so there's sometimes a, a bit of a cost on our end too. Uh, but the thing that we're purchasing 
or the the thing that we're redeeming, the thing that's being redeemed, yeah. is always better than what the cost, uh, you know, whatever it does cost us. Yeah, so. and when you consider the cost of your own redemption, whatever price it's I have nothing. to pay is yeah, yeah it's yeah. very minimal. So right. yeah, that's clearance price. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool, man. Thank you again so much for coming on. Of course. Uh, it's just been a pleasure to have you and have this conversation. Um, we love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mission State Church podcast. We'll be back here next Thursday with another episode in our redemption series. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.